What's going on, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Cud Talk Podcast. This week, we finish up the book of Ephesians as we are headed into Palm Sunday and Easter. Uh, We get into Ephesians chapter 6, a very popular passage that many of you probably know, where Paul describes uh, and tells the Ephesians uh, to put on the full armor of God. Join us today. Uh, as we discuss a little bit of spiritual warfare, what does it mean when Paul says, uh, put on the armor of God to withstand the schemes of the devil? We're going to talk about that a little bit. We're also going to talk about, uh, as he opens up this letter, he says, be strengthened in the Lord. Many of you have probably heard that. Many of you have probably said that. What does that actually mean, though? Join us today. Let's get started. Chris, what's going on, man? How's it going, man? <laughs> doing good, doing good. It was a uh, just so you know, man. Stuff that happens off off the show is pretty wild. Chris, uh, we we started recording just 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 to let y'all in on us a little yeah, bit. We yeah. started recording, we started talking, and then Chris was like, "Man, I'm gonna pass out," and so we had to stop <laughs> recording. And so, hey, this so, is take number two. And yeah. so, honestly, this should be a better product than than you all would have even gotten before. I don't know if I and remember so, the former product. So, we'll I just want you all to listen and think, "Hey, this better be better than what we expect." Um, so no, hey, listen, I uh, we finished up Ephesians six this week. I was not here Sunday, which is really weird for a pastor not to be at church. But uh, me and my family were at the beach. Um, we had a great time. I know you and your family are going on vacation uh, soon. And Chris, yes. I need to ask you this: so you grew up in West Virginia. And I was born in Kentucky, and my family's all from there. Um, my mom and dad separate uh, got got a divorce when I was very young, and so what I would do, my dad moved back to Kentucky with his family. When I was young, I would go on a vacation, like spend my summers in Kentucky with my dad. Mm-hmm. And so you being in West Virginia, where I'm going with this is, everyone down here in South Carolina, including my kids and my family now, we vacation at the beach. Yes. But when I went to Kentucky for the summer – the beach was no option. And so we would go to places like uh, Cedar Point in Ohio right. or yep. Kings Island in Cincinnati. Like, what did you do for vacation? Believe it or not, we went to the beach. Really? We did. Um, so we first started my first beach memories from West Virginia. I guess I say the beach wasn't an option. Like, you couldn't get in the car and drive eight hours. We could, right. but I guess my dad was like, I don't want to do that. We were like 12, 13 hours from stuff. Like, we started out in Nags Head and Cape Hatteras and all that area. Is that in North Carolina? That's North Carolina. Yeah. And then when we moved to Kentucky, we actually went further west, and then we came further south. We started going to Myrtle Beach all the time. Gotcha. All the time. And then when Andre and I were married, we found Hilton Head, and then we just kind of, you know. But we always beached it. I mean, like my wife. Growing up in the mountains, like the, a mountain vacation is What's the point? <laughs> you know, yeah. so my wife yeah. is. Um, we lived in Kentucky for three years, and all three summers we were there. We vacationed at the beach. She was like, "I'm not giving that up. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna vacation at the beach no matter where we live." And so she's a beach gal, and yeah. so she thoroughly enjoys being closer to the beach. Yes. Uh, we went for Thursday through Sunday, which we could have done that when we lived in Kentucky. That'd be a complete waste of time. <laughs> oh, yeah, but, yeah, but now, no, but she loves good. the beach, and uh, actually, we go to Tybee Island now. And we mm. stay on the west side of the island. 
And so there's no waves. Because actually, I guess we're still kind of in the river where we yeah. stay. Um, but this weekend, we went to Myrtle Beach, and Dawson got to experience waves. Now, mind you, it was probably about 75 degrees or so every day we were there. Uh, water, ice cold. Um, Dawson didn't care. He wanted to go. Dawson is my three-year-old. Um, about to be mm. four. He wanted to go play in the waves. And so he did. Uh, <laughs> but good for him. To him. So. Good for him. So. Well, I hope you and your family, I know for many of you, you are probably going to listen to this over spring break. Uh, if you live here in Spartanburg or Cherokee County um, or uh, Chesney or really anywhere here in the upstate of South Carolina, you're probably on spring break. Uh, if not today, then coming up soon. And so I hope you listen to this and, and, and you're in a time of restoration, of family time, of just good time of getting away. Um, but anyway, so we were in uh, Ephesians um, chapter 6, and we read verses 10 through 20. 20. So yes. we finished, we rounded out um, chapter 6. Ephesians yes. has been a uh, good book. I thoroughly enjoyed studying it uh, on the side. Um, thoroughly enjoyed the book of Ephesians. I really, really just enjoy Paul's letters. Not that they're any better than any other amount of Scripture, uh, but I always enjoy studying Paul's letters uh, to uh, the the churches there. And so in, in chapter 6, many of you probably know uh, the scripture that we tackled uh, Sunday that Chris tackled and preached through uh, the armor of God. And starting in verse 10, Paul uses a lingo uh, that I am sure everyone is very familiar with. You've heard it. You've probably said it. But I want to really talk about a lot of times we say things and we don't even actually think about their meaning. Uh, and so in, in verse 10, chapter 6, verse 10, Paul says, Finally, because this is the last part of his letter, uh, be strengthened by the Lord and by his vast strength. So when you hear the term, be strengthened in the Lord and by his vast strength, what does that mean? What does it mean to be strengthened by the Lord? And I know you mentioned this a little bit Sunday, yeah. uh, but, but kind of, Talk about it just a little bit more for us here. Sure. Well, and I guess I'll preface it by saying um, kind of what I shared with the church on Sunday is uh, that, that when Paul's talking about this war that's before us, it's not something we can fight in the human strength that we have. This is a spiritual war, and so we have to fight it in his strength. And, and you know, that can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people um, when we say to be strengthened by the Lord and have his strength in our life. And, and I think that the, the ways in which we garner that strength in our life, I think one of the first ways that we do that is that we have to really engage the Word in this. Because every one of us, and I know we'll talk a little bit about this in, in a minute, but every single one of us can buy into those sayings. Like, we believe those things, you know, that, that, that God is our strength, or we, you know, or that, that we draw strength from Him, but we often struggle with how we do that. Mm-hmm. And, and I feel like we find ourselves sometimes on an island. Like, I'm the only one not getting this. And, and so... Yeah, because I, I think a lot of people would have heard what you just said and either agreed with it and thought, yeah, that's true, that I should find strength in God and not of myself, like not my own strength, not my own knowledge, skills, or abilities. I agree with that. But how do I do that? And you just mentioned it. You right. know, you are, you're connected to the word. But I, I want you listeners to know that if you identify with that, if you say, hey, you know, I've often heard be strengthened by the Lord or find strength in God. Don't rely, you know, Proverbs 3, don't rely on your own understanding, right. rely yeah. on his ways. Like, but what does that really look like? How am I really, when I'm going through like, the pits, like when I'm going through losing a loved one, 
when I'm going through my child just walking in complete darkness, when I'm going through deep, deep financial issues, how do I draw strength? And I thought, so, so, because right. I want people to know listening, like, that's okay if you've heard that, but yet you don't but know yeah, how to grasp that. That's kind of what we want to help you with today. Right. Well, because what we don't want to do is just throw this catchphrase of faith or, or, or of trust or of strength over something and have nothing underneath of it. Because when we don't feel like we've succeeded or gotten what we need to get, we feel like we're a failure. Yeah. And then, then we just we just bottom well, out. Well, and being down here in the Bible Belt, you hear these things all oh, the sure. time. Like you hear even even not only are you the if you have been the recipient of hearing these words of hey man, you just need to draw strength from the Lord. But if you're if you're saying these words, if you're the giver of these words and you're telling people, Hey, draw strength from God, man, he'll get you through this. Yeah. I agree with that. Sure. I'm not saying you're wrong in any way. But we need to think about what does that mean? <laughs> what does that mean? What do right. these sayings that we're saying yeah. mean? Well, and it's easier to say that than to say, hey, look, man, engage the word. Get into the word. Well, what, I, you know what I, I mean? Think, I think that, and, and the reason it's easier yeah. is because it encompasses a lot. Oh, sure. And that's kind of what we want to talk oh, about is yeah. what does that encompass? Yeah, How do yeah. we draw strength from the Lord? So, so yeah. deep so, dive into God's word. And, and I do, and I think, and, and, and these may sound almost like what I used to call in, in student ministry VBS answers. Like you know, pray, read your Bible, go to church, things. But but I do think there's so much validity in that because as as we engage in the Word, there's a couple things that that are more than a couple, but a lot of things that happen. I think number one is we find companionship with people in the Word who are facing great troubles, great, and they need strength. And we see, you know go through Old Testament to New Testament when people's lives are being affected and, and they're being challenged in their faith and their belief in God, um, we, we, we find ourselves within those stories. They're not our stories per se, but we find ourselves in those stories. And, and by engaging the Word, we see how God moved in those situations. We see His faithfulness. We see His plan and His purpose that unfolds in their lives and their situations. And we gain a lot of strength from knowing that, hey, man, if God did this, in this person's life. He can do that in my life. And and when I look at that person, okay, I say, okay, great, God did it, right? Wonderful. Like I said, we believe that. But not just that God did it, but how? what was it that that person did in that situation that allowed them to find their strength from him? And so, so not just in engaging the word by reading the story and seeing God, but looking at what those people did and a lot of times, you go to the next thing, is, is those people, they prayed, and they prayed fervently. They asked God, um, you know, God, this situation is in front of me. I, I can't do this. You've got to do this. And so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to surrender that. I'm going to submit that to you, and I'm going to give that to you and say, all right. Then, then, then I, I've got to trust you. And, you know, and so we see how people walk through that process of surrendering it, giving that to God, trusting God, being obedient to God in very difficult times. And this finding strength in Christ is not a magic pill. Mm. I mean, you know, it's going to require some things of us. It's going to require that we surrender some things, that we're going to have to be obedient in some things that we're not maybe comfortable being obedient in. And so I think in, in the engagement in the Word and, and, and watching how God worked in those situations, in those people's lives, learning from those people's response to God, how they were, how do you know, how did David surrender himself? You know, what did he, what, look at Job. How did Job get through this? All of those, 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 those avenues that God were working in people's lives, I think we learn from that. And then, you know, in the New Testament, 
teaches us, you know, hey, if, if you if you feel like you need more faith to trust in that and and to say, all right, God, you're gonna have to give me strength, I'm gonna have to believe, then ask God for it. Increase my faith. I mean, you know, I don't think these are these are you know rocket science types of things, because but they're they're proven, tried, true, faithful in people's lives, and so I think a lot of that is where we begin to understand the strength as we we see it as evidence yeah. and then bring it to life. So, so I think one one thing I'll add. Um, when I read the words, be strengthened by the Lord or, or be strengthened in the Lord and by his vast strength. Um, I'm taken back not too long ago. I taught a group of teenagers. Uh, I was walking through the passage of Colossians chapter two, verse six, seven, and eight. Um, and Paul tells the church there, uh, to be rooted, uh, in their faith and be built up. In Christ Jesus. And if we're to think of the opposite of being built up is to be torn down. Mm. And I asked this group of students, and I would ask you the same thing today. Mm. What, what what do we allow to tear us down? And oftentimes the, the group of students, they said, hey, uh, what people say about me, um, mm. how people treat me, um, how much my parents love me, or how my dad left me, or all these external factors. And I said, okay, if you're going to allow that to tear you down, we have to do the opposite to be built up. Because if that's what tears us down, it's because that's what built us up. And so what is building you up? What are you strengthened by? What are you allowing to weaken you? What are you allowing um, to tear you down? Chances are it's whatever you allow to give you strength or mm-hmm. whatever you allow to build you up. And so when it says be strengthened in the Lord, um, I think uh, j- just personally looking inwardly, what you said is correct. But also, I think you need to find your identity in the Lord. You need to find who you are in Christ Jesus. And so what does that mean? Once again, that's a word. Okay, I need to find who I am in Christ. Well, let me give you these truths. Uh, In Genesis 1, you are made in the image of God. That is a truth. That is a biblical truth. If you want to find your identity, find it in biblical truths. You You are made by God. We know that from Genesis 1. We know from John 3. Uh, verse 16, that God loved the world, God loved you and me, that he sent Jesus as a sacrifice. He sent his only son, a perfect being, a a deity, to earth to be a sacrifice for all those who put their faith in him to then have unity with him. So first, we're made in the image of God. B, we messed up and broke that unity. We see that that in the fall in Genesis with Adam and Eve. But then we see that there, God provided restoration. God loves you so much, he provided a way for you to be restored. Then we see in Ephesians, same book, chapter 2, that God once again is gracious, and because of our sin, or, or in spite of our sin, he still sent Jesus so that if we have faith, we're told that if we have faith, not by works, which means you don't, there's no additional thing you can do for God to accept you. What's your identity? My identity is an image bearer of God. My identity is someone that God loves so deeply that he's going to sacrifice his own son. And also my identity in God is that only by putting my faith in him do I have value, not by any works. Once you have your, once that is your identity, then it's, it's easy to be strengthened in him. It's easy to be strengthened uh, uh, by his word because you're not finding your identity in any external circumstance. So, for instance, in, in a psalm, I believe it's 46. 
I hope I'm right about that. I don't have a Bible in front of me. Psalms 46, uh, the psalmist is actually writing. Yeah, look that up for me I real quick. You, uh, Psalms 46, um, I think that's it. The psalmist is actually sees the 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 mountains and and crumbling into the sea. He says that he sees, is that yes, it? Yep. Psalm 46. Okay, so he sees yes. the mountains crumbling into the sea, and he sees uh, the, all these things around him. It, 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 in his writing, it looks as if the world is crumbling around him. But yet he says, I put my faith in God. Yes. God is my fortress. The world is literally crumbling around me, but God is my safe place. God is God is where I found peace. And so I say I say that to say once your identity is in Christ, external factors will happen. Things right. around you will crumble. The mountains will fall into the sea per se. But if your identity and you are built up in Christ and you are rooted in Jesus, you'll be strengthened by that. Now, when you are strengthened, it doesn't mean that you can't be emotional, that you right. can't be sad, right. that you can't be angry, that you you it but what it does mean is I'm not going off a cliff here. Exactly. My strength is from the Lord. I got to remember that. And you do you remember it by doing those things that you said by by reading scripture, mm-hmm. by praying, um but we really have to find our identity in Christ because if we allow finances, relationships, um knowledge, even good works Mm-hmm. to be our strength and identity, when those go away, we then crumble. And we see it all the time, man. Well, I think we do. And, I mean, I, if you, you take a moment and just consider knowing your identity in Christ and what you quoted in, in Psalm 46, right? And, and Psalm 46 has one of the most recognizable verses in verse 10 of, you know, be still, know that I am God. Some translates, hey, stop fighting, you know, know that I am God. There is a great peace a great joy in knowing because of who you are in Christ. Like you said, everything else can has, can crumble and will crumble around you, but you don't have to. And there is a great strength in knowing that, that I know who I am. I know who Christ is. And because of that, you know, everything else can pretty much just go to pot, but I don't have to. I don't have to go with it. And I, I think there's peace in that. I think that people are struggling and they are wondering, you know, how can I find that, that strength and what does that really mean for me is I think some people just need to, to hear that just because everything else is in shambles, it doesn't mean you have to be mm-hmm. um, because we kind of tend to go the way of least resistance sometimes. And that's a lot of, of standing and fighting. Um, let me tell you this. And I don't, I don't say this any way, shape or form to make me look uh, great, or like I've got it together because I don't. Um, but let me give you a personal example of when I've seen this and, and a story that I got to share with a young lady. Me and my wife, I don't know if I shared on the podcast before, we lost a uh, little girl uh, at two days old back in 2020. Um, she was born May 3rd. She passed away May 5th. Um, she had trisomy 18. Um, and uh, that's just a genetical mishap. Um, and I'll never forget, uh, after she passed away, all of our family went to a cousin's house, and we were all just, we wanted to be together. <laughs> um, and so we got together, and we were eating pizza. Um, and honestly, um, we were even kind of cutting jokes, um, you know, just just laughing, um, joking with each other, going on, you know, as if life was normal. Um, 
that night when me and my wife went to bed, of course we lost it. Um, and, and even in that moment of being with family and laughing, um, we weren't faking it, but we were enjoying being with family. Um, and I'll never forget, uh, there was a 16 year old girl in the room and she called me the next day. Um, and she said, Jonathan, how in the world did y'all do that? Like, how were y'all just laughing moments after this happened? And I said, well, a couple things. I said, one, you're, you're an emotional mess period. And when you get around family, that laughter was kind of a distraction of mm-hmm. what just happened. I said, but two, I said, God got us through this the whole way. We found out about Riley's diagnosis, which was our daughter's name. We found out about her diagnosis in February. And so this had been, May 5th was an inevitable day. Um, I tell people all the time, May 5th, when she passed away, wasn't the hardest day of that trial for me. The hardest day was knowing your daughter's going to pass away while you're There's alive. There's a day, right, yeah. <laughs> that was the hard day. Um, and and mm. I don't think anything could really prepare you for her passing away. But we had been processing this for a while, and we drew strength from the Lord through the whole process. And so I got to share this testimony with this 16-year-old cousin of mine that we, in that moment, we weren't hurting any less, but we drew strength from the Lord. We enjoyed being around family, um, not to say we didn't have our times of tears. I said that night when we got in bed, we just we couldn't hardly sleep because we were so sad. But we were drawing strength from the Lord for the whole process. Mm. But also, I told her this, and I think this has stuck with her. I said, Hannah, I said, we didn't draw our strength from the Lord the day we found out about Hannah's diagno- or Riley's diagnosis. I said, we had been building our strength in the Lord for a while, for 10, 12, 15 years. I said, I equated it to a lot of times people try to build their spiritual house in a hurricane. They try to build their spiritual house when it all starts to fall apart. And they try to then draw strength from the Lord. And it's much easier to have your house established and to have the windows already boarded up. So when that hurricane comes, does your house hurt? Yeah. Does it get nicks and and bumps and scrapes? Yeah. But but if you can have your spiritual house established, if Mm -hmm. you can start drawing strength from the Lord now, if you can start reading his word now, if you can start praying now, not with the goal of, oh, man, I hope I can withstand the hurricane, but because I want a beautiful house, right? Exactly, right. <laughs> because I want this yeah. relationship with Jesus. I want this, I want this right. unification. I want, I, want a, I, want this, I want this relationship. Um, and then when a hurricane does come, you say, hey, we've already got a really good foundation. I'm not trying to put up windows in the middle of a hurricane. I'm not trying to put up the drywall, and here comes a hurricane. It's, hey, I've already got this established. Mm-hmm. Um, now, is it going to hurt? Yeah. Will, sure. will my house have some evidence that there's been a storm? Probably. But it'll it'll withstand. It'll withstand. Yeah. Absolutely. Absolutely. Um, and so thank you. I, I know I never talked about that, that on here. And like I said, I didn't say that to make myself sound uh, spiritually better. But I do think that was a really cool example that I got to walk through with a 16-year-old girl with yeah. and, and say, hey, this is kind of what's helped me in our Because she looked on the outside and said, how are they doing this? Right. Um, so anyway, um, let's move on to another thing that Paul says here. Maybe we can talk about it a little bit. Um, he talks about the schemes of the devil, and you mentioned in the very first uh, portion of your sermon uh, the um, kind of the whole reason Paul's writing this is because of spiritual warfare. Um, what, what are schemes of Satan? How, how, can we, how can we say, hey, how do we avoid that? Why are we putting on this armor of God to... To withstand the schemes of Satan, and I think this will be good to talk about because you, as the listener, can think, okay, what are his schemes? What is his game plan? 
Uh, we don't really talk about Satan a lot. Um, but what are his schemes? What 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 can we get trapped in? What do we need to be aware of? Yeah, I think, and one of the things that I said um, to the church on Sunday morning during the sermon was talking specifically about this was that as a follower, a true believer and follower of Jesus Christ, um, that that you know we're, we're, the Bible teaches us that Satan cannot snatch us from God's hands. But what he can do is make our life as miserable as it possibly can be if we look at it that way in 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 the meantime until the not yet. So it's it's really the only power that he has is to create distance. And and I think that's the thing that we look at when we talk about the schemes of Satan. How can he get our minds off of what we know to be true about ourselves and who God is? And the further distance he can create, the further we feel from him. And, and that's just really not the reality. So I think it's a lot of it is just, you know, creating distance between God and his creation. Mm-hmm. And um, and that's what's so challenging because, again, if we don't know, uh, we'll go back to what we just talked about, if we don't know who we are, then we don't know the promises of God that we have. And so we tend to buy into more what we, if we don't know, that's not possible. If we think, well, it could happen, it could be possible, then we begin to doubt. And once we begin to doubt and we go down that slippery slope of things, we, we do begin to see see ourselves very differently. Mm. And, and so I think that's one of the ways in which he does that. My mom, um, and your mom may too, uh, she's on social media. And whenever she sees a news article that uh, is warning us of the next big scam, she'll send mm-hmm. it to me. I don't know if your mom does the same thing, uh, but sometimes I have to remind her, Mom, I've made it this far. Okay. Um, <laughs> I won't get I'm scammed. doing good. Yeah, I I'm say a- that, but then I'm very appreciative of them. Sure. I'm like, hey, oh, absolutely. I, may have, I may have failed for that one. Yeah. Um, yeah. But I think this is kind of us, and I think we should always be on the lookout for a scam of mm-hmm. the enemy um, and schemes of the enemy and say, hey, how is there anything in my life right now that could be a scheme of the enemy that I'm just not seeing that that's what it is. Mm. And so I want to encourage you, listener, um, examine your life and say, is there anything right now that is a scheme of the enemy? And a good way to test that. Um, the enemy, as you just mentioned, he has one goal, Satan. Satan's goal, and we see this throughout Scripture, uh, starting at the fall in Genesis, um, is separation from creation of God. Uh, he does it by telling Eve, hey, listen, you know, he does it by confusing. Uh, he does it by manipulating. He does it by blurring truths. Um, you know, he didn't say, hey, eat this apple. I know God right. told you not to, right. but just eat it. No, he, he says, hey, listen, why did he take, did he really? He he makes it look very appealing. He makes lines look blurred. Uh, and his whole goal is separation of God. He, he does not want us to be unified with God. Um, and so... I want you to think about anything in your life right now that is causing separation between you and God. Um, it could be the bad habits that you formed in your marriage, uh, that you're looking at pornography. It could be that you are, and I'm, I'm just going off the marriage one, uh, you're looking at pornography. You are being unfaithful to your wife. You're being angry as a husband. Um, maybe for you, you're not married. It is that you are living a very selfish life. You aren't giving of yourself. You're, you're separating yourself from God because you're so focused on yourself. Maybe for you, it's pride. Maybe for you, there's areas of your life in which you've gotten so prideful and it's causing separation between you and God. Maybe it's anger. 
Maybe you say, man, I've just become a really angry person. I want you to, listener, to take some time, examine yourself, say, hey, is there any aspect of my life right now that is causing separation between me and God? If so, I'm letting the enemy in right there. I'm falling for one of his schemes so that he can wedge, put a wedge in between me and the Father. Um, and there's good ways to handle that. And, and PK actually preached on this, that the rest of six talks about putting on the armor of God. This is how you're going to protect yourself for these schemes. But we need to be on the lookout to see if they're there. And then we need to protect ourselves from those schemes. Listen, I hope that you uh, enjoy the rest of your week, that you have a good time of restoration with your family, maybe even if it's just staying at home. Maybe you're like, man, I don't have kids. I'm not a teacher. I don't get this week as a vacation. I hope you just really examine your own life and and, and, and take some time. Maybe you don't have a week off of work. Maybe you don't get any vacation right now. Still, take this time and examine your life and say, hey, where am I letting Satan have a foothold? And he's driving a wedge between me and God. Thank you, guys. And we actually, you won't hear from us next, next week, week. Uh, because we will be on vacation. But uh, we'll hear from you. Or you'll hear from us, rather, the week after that. Thank you all.